What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Tammy Bruce. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, October 27th, 2023, I'm Eben Brown. You've heard stories, you've seen blurred photos and videos of what Hamas terrorists did in the farm communities in southern Israel, but there are more details, things seen by the emergency medics who tried to save lives. Whatever you've heard about on the news, it's worse. Like, it's 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 really quite, that's horrific stuff. Like, it's stuff out of, like, horror movies of the worst kind. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. In these past four weeks, you've heard about or maybe have seen some of the horrifying scenes, the work of Hamas terrorists who attacked Israelis living or visiting near the border with Gaza. It has been shockingly bloody. And as is the case in any scene of suffering, the people who see it first, who see it all, are emergency medics. Right after the, the war, war broke out on October 7th, uh, even in, in, you know, rockets were kind of aiming at the whole country. They, um, there were a couple of rockets that were detonated by the Iron Dome right over my head. Raphael Posh is an EMT and a spokesperson for United Hatzalah, one of the volunteer-led emergency response forces in Israel. He speaks to us from Tel Aviv. We have no visuals we can blur to protect you, but Raphael's words will give you visuals, things you will see in your mind's eye. The descriptions are gruesome. Please listen, but take care as you do. Literally, I was... I was uh, we were outside and one of the sirens went off. So we hit for cover and then walked out and like, we heard the boom. Uh, so then everyone's sort of like came out of where they were hiding from or, uh, taking shelter. And you looked up overhead and there was this big cloud of smoke that, uh, on a, on a completely blue, clear sky. Um, and this big, you know, nice, nice smoke, uh, little, uh, cloud which was which was essentially the iron dome detonating the rocket right over where we were um that happened a couple times and and that's uh something unfortunately i think everyone's gotten a little bit regular to here uh so thank thank god for that uh, for the iron dome we take it for granted to an extent already because it's been happening so much every two three years there's a flare-up and and there's a whole uh what a conflict that goes on with the rockets uh but you think about it, they fired like seven, more than 7,000 rockets at Israel. And in most uh, occasions, that's going to hit a lot of people. But thankfully, that hasn't been the case. Um, with the rocket fire, most of them that are going to population areas are detonated on a continuous basis. Uh, and that saves, you know, tens of thousands of lives. Let's talk about the work you're doing, though, because you're saving lives. You're at least trying to. And you're doing it not from a distance. You're the type of person who gets up pretty close to something that's been, uh, from what we've seen anyway, incredibly gory. Uh, something that most people would rather not see. So let's, but let's talk about your experience over these past few weeks. Um, so we would, is, we would yeah. rather not have seen it either. Uh, yeah. the, the stuff you were talking about with uh, some things that were gory were, whatever you've heard about on the news, it's worse. Uh, 
<laughs> like it's 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 really quite uh, horrific what's been going on. There were there were scenes where we we got there. I got there a little after the fact, but we were there and there were still bodies around. And we saw situations where uh, there was there was a family that was you know in their own home, and the terrorists came in and uh, they killed them essentially at some point. But before they killed them. Uh, and we were witnesses because we saw pieces of the people that were chopped off before they were killed um, at, at, at random. Like, you know, the there were this family that was sitting around in their living room uh, and there was a young girl whose leg was chopped off, but the mother's hand was chopped off. The father had fingers that were chopped off and the young boy was, you know, had his torso slashed open. Um, and... After that, the terrorists went and sat down. You know, after they they tortured them and then killed them, the terrorists went and sat down at their their you know living room table and had lunch of the food that, from the people that they killed. Uh, and they left all the lunch stuff there. And we're like, they took videos of that and like published it. Like, who 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 does that? Like, you know, you think about your your even in the case where you're fighting an enemy. You know, there's uh, there are ways to kill people. Not the civilians aren't really enemies. Civilians are, are innocent civilians, no matter which way you're going. But you know what they were doing to the the bodies of people, or, or what they did to people before they became bodies, uh, burning them alive, little children, um, you know, cutting heads off. Uh, there was a uh, a woman who's uh, was pregnant, and they they cut her stomach open while she was still alive, took the infant out, or the you know the fetus out stabbed the fetus in front of her and then killed her that's horrific stuff like it's stuff out of like horror movies of the worst kind like you know and um the, the things stephen stephen king couldn't even dream of stuff like this and yet it, it was just complete barbarism that was going on simply because those people were israeli and and had nothing people were you know mistaking the the aspect of this uh of this conflict by by assuming there's a religious basis for it, there's no religious basis for it. We, we had first responders, you know, people who I know, um, who were killed, who were Muslim. Uh, they're Muslim first responders trying to save somebody's life, and they were shot and killed multiple times um, by, uh, you know, Hamas terrorists. They didn't care if they were Muslim or Jewish or Israeli, so they killed them. There were people on the other side of the fence, um, and. There was a, a Muslim volunteer of ours uh, named Tarek Abu Arar, uh, Bedouin uh, Muslim from uh, Araraba Negev, and it's a town, a Bedouin town in the, in the middle of the Negev. And he was driving past Deirot to get to his job. He's a doctor, uh, and he was driving past the city of Deirot uh, to get to his, you know, job at the hospital in, in Ashkelon. And they, uh, he saw a car pulled over on the side of the road. And thought it was a car accident. It had, it had been a car where Hamas had shot the people driving it and uh, and ex, you know, murdered them um, right on the highway in the middle of the morning. And he pulled over to stop because that was a car accident. And he saw somebody motioning to him to come over. So he started walking over and the guy shot him in the chest. Luckily, he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Uh, it saved his life. But um, after that, the 10 terrorists jumped out from behind him. And we're about to kill him, but one of them stopped and said, oh, he's, he's Muslim, let's just, instead of killing him, we'll use him as a human shield so the, the soldiers can't attack us. 
and they began, they tied him up to a pole uh, and forced him to watch as they murdered hundreds of people. Anyone who was driving by on the highway, they literally just shot and killed. Uh, ambushed them, killed them in cold blood. And then when the, the soldiers, the IDF finally made it there to, to fight back, um, they shot uh, Tarek in, in the leg and told the soldiers, if you come any closer, we're going to kill him. So they, they used him as a human shield. And the soldiers backed off a little bit uh, and waited for special forces to come in from the opposite direction and kill the terrorists. And then they managed to actually save Tarek's life. Um, but it was horrific and, and forcing a doctor to watch, you know, the murder of hundreds of people in front of him for over two hours is its own form of torture. And, and uh, they, they, they really have no respect for human life in any way, shape or form or, or you know, sense of humanity. There's usually a a, um, a a canard or feature of international law regarding war that you don't strike at the the medics, you know that. But not just that. You don't strike at innocent civilians. You don't strike at babies and 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 burn them in ovens in their own kitchen. Like they did that, and like that's it. They, they don't care about international law. They they kill about killing people in the most horrific way possible. Um. You know, people have been comparing this a little bit to like a day of the Holocaust and and saying, you know, like, um, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, someone published today in the news um, words from the uh, famous uh, Jewish singer Nomi Shemer. Uh, and she wrote that if, if Hamas had their way, um, they would uh, they would, you know, make make what the Germans did to the Jews look like a, a clean and. Uh, you know, very nice sit-down dinner <laughs> or something. It was like she said that, you know, comparatively to the barbarism, what Hamas has been showing is uh, it, it makes the, it, it would make us, you know, remember the gas chambers fondly if someone can even imagine something like that because it was a very simple, relatively painless death compared to all this barbarism going on. We are speaking with Raphael Pash, who is a spokesperson for United Hatzalah in Israel, one of the emergency medical response groups. He is telling us about the scenes he and his colleagues encountered on October 7th, the day Hamas invaded. On the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition, we'll have more straight ahead. Let's talk about some of the things you and your um, your crew have been able to do that might have shown some light here in terms of saving lives or who 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 you have helped because i think people are certainly hoping for this type of you know good news i'd hate to use the term silver lining here but but what can you tell us our team has went down we were uh you know we, we got the news already at 6 20 in the morning from the volunteers who were in the towns that were being affected um what they call the hot zone or the what turned into the gaza periphery and um they they started reporting back to dispatch the horrors that they were seeing so dispatch very quickly knew that there was something that needed to be done on a massive scale uh, and we mobilized very quickly about a thousand volunteers in the first couple of hours and then as the day went on about 1500 volunteers um set up a medical clinics in a number of locations uh in and around the gaza periphery uh with doctors and paramedics we brought down an incredible amount of equipment uh to treat the injured because the injuries we were dealing with weren't a person with one injury or one, you know, one gunshot wound. It was thousands of people, each one with multiple gunshot wounds or stab wounds or, you know, wounds from shrapnel, grenades, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the other horrors that were going on as well. 
Uh, so instead of each each of our medics carries usually one tourniquet and one uh, or one or two, um, uh, they call uh, uh, different types of bandages uh, for packing gunshot wounds or gauze and um, you know one oxygen tank. And and what we found was that for every patient we needed four tourniquets and multiple gauze bandages of packing and uh, what they call Israeli bandages and, and combat, you know, combat bandages and tourniquets. And we ran out of oxygen tanks in, you know, minutes. Uh, so the amount of equipment was used on the first day were things that usually last us months, if not a year. Um, we started supplying the IDF with medical equipment because they had a shortage uh, of what was going on. And we just sent down trucks from our warehouse at the same time as the medics were going down. Uh, and the volunteers from from different areas throughout Israel uh, basically went in, into fire on their own. They, they didn't even wait for ambulances. They took their own personal cars um, and organizational vehicles and did whatever they could to pull people out. There was one volunteer who took a, a like a, a GMC flatbed truck. Uh, and we'd usually see like in the farms in the Midwest of the U.S. And he took that and he was driving around. He's got shot at. He's got some bullet holes in it uh, now. Um, they drove around back and forth and back and forth throughout the uh, Gaza periphery, making it to Sderot, making it even to Fargat, Faraza, and, and Be'eri to an extent, uh, and just tr- started scooping up people on the side of the road, p- finding people who were injured, working with the IDF, wherever the IDF was finding people who were injured, um, or they had injured soldiers themselves or police officers, threw them in the back of the truck and drove them out to a meeting point where the ambulances were waiting because the ambulances were too afraid to go in. Um, and, uh, cause it was, it was live fire for, you know, and that lasted for three days. Um, it didn't, it didn't quite end, uh, very quickly, um, until they got rid of all the terrorists in the Gaza periphery. And they, he, within two hours, he'd transported 40 serious to critically injured people in the back of this truck. There was one point where he had 12 injured people in the back of the truck and he was just driving with uh, a soldier sitting on one side of the truck who had a gun and was putting down cover fire for the truck he was in when he was driving out past speeding by the terrorist. Um, there's another volunteer who actually just, I just got um, uh, my hands on some of the recordings from our dispatch from that morning. There's another volunteer who lives in Sterot. He was the chapter head of Sterot and he has an organizational car. Uh, with lights and sirens, and it's all made out, and people know whenever they see that car that help's coming. And one of the first things Sarah did was they they shot up the car so badly that he had to run, and he abandoned the car essentially, and he had to run to safety in a in a safe home in a safe room in in a neighbor's home. He called dispatch and said, "Please tell the police where my car is, so the terrorists don't get my car and start driving around offering to help people and then kill them." And that was what was going on. That was the type of things that were happening. Um, so it was, it was a very harrowing time uh, for all the volunteers. We had volunteer, we had two volunteers who were killed. Um, one of them was Muslim, one of them was Jewish. Uh, we had six volunteers injured on the first day in the first few minutes when the attack took place. Uh, both, again, Jewish and Muslim and Christian. Um, and throughout the mobilization of our volunteers, the medical clinics that we set up saved hundreds if not thousands of lives we treated 2,000 people within the first two days uh over the next week we treated about another thousand um so treated about 3,000 people very very quickly and uh it was you know 
essential essential treatment. It wasn't like you know someone slipped and fell or broke a leg or you know injured a head, uh, you know falling or hitting a door or something. These are situations where if we don't put a tourniquet on this person now, they're going to bleed out and die. If we don't intubate that person now, they're not going to survive. And it was literally hundreds of those continuing uh, throughout the day uh, and then into Sunday and Monday. There was one uh, personal trainer and she was at the at the Supernova party, the music festival in, in Raim. Uh, she managed to escape and survive by when she, she was shot by a terrorist and she uh, played dead. And she covered herself with the blood from the wound in her arm. She was shot in her arm, and she just covered her whole body with the blood that was in her arm, or the coming out of it, and just laid dead until the terrorists passed by, thinking that they killed her. And she lay like that for six hours. She made a makeshift tourniquet from her clothes. She tore off her own clothes and tied it around her arm, um, and lay like that for about six hours. And in the situation where she was, she was in... She managed to stop the bleeding, but the tourniquet was in, was on for such a long time that it was already a situation where most likely they were going to have to amputate the arm. And when they, the soldiers finally got to her and found her, uh, she started calling to them saying she was alive. And they brought her out to our medical clinic and, and she said, you know, please don't amputate my arm because without it, I can't I can't work. I can't be, you know, a personal trainer uh, without without an arm. And she was very worried about that. And we tried to do whatever we could to stabilize her and stabilize the arm as well. Um, we sent her off to the hospital. We didn't know what ended up happening with that story, but uh, we did the best we could. And that was those were the types of things we were coming out with. What does Hatsala need at this time? Uh, you've gone through incredible amounts of resources. So certainly yeah. there's there's a need for something. What is it that you need? What 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 would you put as the first three things on a list, uh, on a wish list here? They're, they're basically donations because United Atzala is, is an organization that's not funded by the government. It's all donation-based. Right. Um, we, we're resourcing uh, here within Israel because it's much easier to get supplies locally than to bring from abroad uh, due to customs and import and, and all sorts of challenges and bureaucratic challenges like that. Uh, so the main thing that can help us is donations so we can resupply our medical uh, equipment. That's the first thing we need. And the second thing we need is more bulletproof vests and helmets uh, so the volunteers can be protected when going out and responding. The The protocol now is we're not allowed to respond to any security incident or anywhere in the Gaza periphery without a bulletproof vest and helmet. So if we don't have enough of those to supply the volunteers, then we can't do the work we're doing. Raphael Pash of United Hatsala in Israel. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.